I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Looking for the latest on the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies? Yeah, we've got you covered. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the Sports Zone. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Time to chat with one of our favorites out there. Nobody covers the Pac-12 any better than John Wilner from the Mercury News with the Pac-12 hotline. And let's get right to it, John. Um, if if uh, if the Pac-12 was a patient right now in a hospital, what kind of odds do you give them to uh, making it out of that hospital? Uh-huh. I mean, I still think that, uh, you know, in that regard, nothing's changed. The most likely outcome from all of this is that the Pac-12 is going to survive uh, as a 10 or maybe 12-team conference and uh, sign a new media contract and takes it through the rest of the decade. Uh, you know, I think that's always been the, the best bet. And, uh, you know, it is realignment. There's no nothing guaranteed until the schools sign their contracts. But uh, I do think survival is is a, a better bet than extinction. In terms of the greatest threats to the Pac-12, list them in order as they kind of come to you. You know, I, I guess the greatest, if you're trying to figure out, well, what's the scenario that the conference doesn't survive, it's that the commissioner cannot cobble together a media rights deal that is satisfactory to the schools, um, you know, and then they start looking elsewhere, and some of them end up in the Big 12, and some of them end up in the Big 10. I I don't think that's going to happen, and there's a big difference between 
the schools being disappointed in the media rights deal and the schools being so disappointed that they change conferences. That's a huge step and one that is, you know, kind of getting lost in a lot of the, the speculation on social media and, in, and in, you know, media reports, right? The commissioner could bring a deal that everybody kind of gets up, oh, boy, that's not very good. But that doesn't mean they're going to leave because there's a lot of reasons from an institutional standpoint for the schools to, to stay where they are. I mean, a lot of them just don't fit in the Big 12, you know, for a bunch of reasons. So, in your opinion, what's the magic number? Does it need to be $1 more than what the Big 12 got? What's the number where people in the Pac-12 say, okay, we're, we're good, that, that, that works for us? Yeah, I don't know if there's a magic number. You know, the Big 12 is getting $31.7 million per school. Uh, the, the Pac-12 isn't making as much money on its media deal now as the Big 12 is. Uh, so I don't think it's got to beat the Big 12. I think it's got to be in, in some kind of reasonable range. You know, uh, high 20s, you know, would certainly probably be satisfactory. To, and it depends, too, on what the, you know, the visibility component is. How many games are going to be on ESPN? Specifically, how many games are on linear television, you know, cable and broadcast? How many are on streaming? Uh, you know, there's there's a devil in the detail that I think is going to be important to schools. So it's not just about the dollar figure. Uh, and I don't think they've got to, beat, you know, beat the Big 12. And I don't know that they will. I, I've been skeptical all along that the Pac-12 would get the, the same number as the Big 12. Uh, and, you know, if it's a couple million, nobody's going to leave the conference over a couple million dollars. Heck, you gotta, you're going to join the Big 12, you got to pay a couple million in travel costs alone. Yeah, or more. I got to imagine that that's a huge increase in cost, in, uh, percentages increase in cost to join that conference and, and boost the travel. Um, for our listeners, John, help them understand what an Apple TV contract would look like in terms of being able to consume the product. Well, I mean, certainly Apple is one of the options, you know, and there's a bunch of options. I think that uh, Amazon's an option, uh, ESPN, uh, the ESPN Network's an option, and there could be, you know, an, an unknown out there. I think that there's a decent chance that the Pac-12's got something cooking that nobody's really thought of or reported. Uh, and if they, even if they do sign with Apple, you know, it doesn't mean all of the content's going to be on Apple. It, Apple can sub-license games to ESPN or another entity to make sure that Pac-12 has a presence on, you know, cable TV. So there's a lot of ways it could go if they did do a deal with Apple um, or if Apple was part of a, a larger deal. But, you know, basically, if you've got an iPhone, you can download the app. You know, uh, every Pac-12 game would be on, on your available on your iPhone. I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, or you get, you know, Apple TV on your big screen. You, you get the app for, for that, just like you would for, you know, Prime Video or, or ESPN Plus. You know, I mean, one thing that people are, you know, I think is lost on some people is ESPN Plus is also a streaming product, just like Apple TV and Amazon Prime Video. You know, you go on your TV and you got to click into the, the app. It's not part of your your bundle of stations like ESPN is. 
and Apple TV has got basically the same number of subscribers, maybe more than ESPN Plus. So, you know, we'll we'll see. But that's that. You know, even if the Pac-12 gets a bunch of games on ESPN Plus, that's still streaming. John Wilner uh, joining us right here on ninety-seven-five, the KSL Sports Zone. So, is should our opinion of George Kalafkov does that need to be? I mean, granted, I, there's a lot of things that go into being a, a commissioner, and I understand that. But it seems like this media deal seems like it's setting the tone for the overall, you know, vote of confidence from Pac-12 fans on whether they think he's getting the job done or not. And that's probably not fair. But with that said, should any opinions about him be held off until this thing is announced? Well, I mean, I think it is fair that he's ultimately judged on on what happens here, right? I mean, that is the number one thing for a commissioner, and the number one reason he was hired was was uh, because of the the media rights piece. I don't know that when he was hired, anybody thought USC and UCLA were leaving the conference, but this is a huge piece of of what he how he's going to be judged. But I also think you got to wait to see what happens, right? I mean, you can't yeah. come to any conclusions now. They can absolutely, you know, I think it's going to be resolved in the next. Months by the end of March for sure. You know, I don't, there could be a, a situation where you know they agree in principle to a deal, but then it takes a few weeks to get the I's dotted and the T's crossed and all that kind of thing. But I think by by middle of March we'll know, and and at that point, you know, I think fans should render judgment. And if it's a bad deal, and then that should be part of how you critique the commission. John, where are we sitting with UCLA? Is it all said and done? Is it wrapped up? They're already out the door? December 14th, the UC Regents voted to let them go. So it is all done. Uh, they start in the Big 12 along with USC, a Big 10, uh, on, I think it's August 2nd, 2024. Hey, we're going to... Uh we're going to try to get a better connection. We're losing you quite a bit on that over the last minute or so. So uh, Lloyd's going to dial you back up and see if we can find a better connection for you. Uh, John Wilner, Mercury News, uh, Pac-12 Hotline, does a tremendous job, as always, covering the conference. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I wanted to talk a little bit about Brett Yormark, and I know he hopped on the podcast with he and uh, um, Gonzano, and they did a tremendous conversation there. Really interesting because right now it feels like, and and again, I'm not sure if this is fair or not, but it feels like Brett Yormark is kind of you know outpositioning the Big Twelve ahead of the Pac-12. And I and again, I'm you know as I mentioned with with John, I'm I'm holding off any kind of opinion on George Klofkoff until we actually see what this media deal looks like, but. Uh, uh, John Wilner is joining us again, and I listen to your podcast that you do with uh, John Canzano from the uh, uh, on, on uh, with Brett Yormark, and I thought it was a really fantastic conversation. Right now, it feels like Yormark stacking a lot of wins right now, and the Big Twelve stacking some wins above the Pac twelve. Is that is that fair to say, or are we judging things a little too early? Well, I think he is stacking wins, uh, and he's done a really good job. But also, I think he had. You know, in the case of Oklahoma and Texas, right, he he had that set up for him, right, because they already decided they were leaving, so he had to negotiate an exit strategy. The conference already, they already lost Oklahoma and Texas and expanded. So he was, he's basically coming in further along in the, in the process than, than, Clearcroft did, right? Clearcroft came in and then lost 
through schools. And you can debate whether he should have had his finger on the pulse of what was going on in L.A. a little bit better. But, uh, you know, I think that it's not quite apples to apples. However, it's clear Elon has done a good job with what the Big 12 want him to do. And we'll see what the Pac-12's media deal is. It could be that it's a bad deal. And uh, that would be another check in your uh ledger. So, John, I see that you and, and Gonzano and, and others continue to uh, update everybody on different games that are being dropped in from different conferences. Is there much to read into some of these games that are being canceled from maybe the Big Ten across to the Pac-12? Is there much to read into some of those cancellations? Well, yeah, the big thing recently was, was Ohio State canceled a home-and-home series with Washington. And it had to do with the fact that the Buckeyes are going to probably be making a trip to L.A. for a conference game. And they didn't want to come out to the West Coast twice. And I think that that could be an issue for the Pac-12. Um, there's, you know, there's ways around it. You can play neutral site games. Uh, once the Big Ten's deal, t- uh, schedule is set, everybody will know when they have to make West Coast trips. And you can probably fit some games in there. But it's certainly going to be an issue, uh, I think, for the Pac-12. Uh, in terms of getting teams, you know, Michigan and Ohio State, to name two, to come out west for non-conference games when they know they've got to come out for league games. Is uh, is San Diego State all but done? I mean, how shocked would you if they do not get an invite to the Pac-12 at this point? You know, I'm not convinced the Pac-12 is going to expand. Uh, I do think if, if the Pac-12 does oh, okay. expand, San Diego State is guaranteed, pretty much guaranteed, and SMU, I would think those are the those are the two, right? But I don't know that it's a done deal that they are. Uh, you know, it's closer to 50-50 in my mind, and part of it will depend on what the media contracts are, because if if there's, you know, if, if extra, if, if they're not going to get more money, uh from those two schools joining the league, they may not they may not expand, right? The reason to I think the reason to expand from a valuation standpoint, right, is because you can play more games. If you have a twelve team league, you can play like thirteen to fifteen more games than if you've got a ten team league. And those thirteen to fifteen games could have value for your media partners, right? I mean five million bucks a game, whatever it is, that's real money. But if somehow the Pac twelve determines that adding those two schools isn't going to really add add to the value of their football inventory. They may not they may not expand. With USC and UCLA leaving a big showpiece of the Pac-12, I thought it was a, a really great get for Colorado to come in with Deion Sanders. It feels like it's created some noise, some interest. How important is Deion Sanders and his ability to have success at Colorado? to the potential existence of the Pac-12? You know, I don't know that he, his presence in Boulder is going to have a material difference on the kind of media contract that the Pac-12 signs, right? I mean, ESPN or Amazon or Apple, they're not going to say, well, we're going to give you X millions more because Dion is in Boulder. But it adds to the overall momentum of the conference, the overall watchability of the conference, and longer term, it could certainly help, right? If he gets Colorado uh, rolling at a high level, you know, that's potentially uh, another big TV draw, uh, another 
big crowd, you know, uh, drawing uh, to selling tickets across the league. Another team in the in the top twenty five rankings. So there's a lot of indirect value to the whole conference if if Sanders does well. I don't know that it's going to have a material impact on the negotiations that are going on right now. John, we appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging in there with us, um, and uh, look forward to catching them again here very soon. Thanks so much, John. Thanks, Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. John Wilner, um, one of the best when it comes to covering the Pac-12. He's got a podcast with John Canzano. Um, and he also for the uh, writes the Pac-12 hotline for the, Merc- or the uh, yeah, Mercury News. And I don't think he's got a rooting interest in this. And I don't really think he's got a dog in the fight other than the Pac-12 is very important to him because he knows it well. He broke the USC news. Yeah. But going back to his original statement and a question that you asked him, if the Pac-12 were a patient, what's the likelihood of them getting out of this thing alive? He thinks that they're going to live as a conference. Yeah. He thinks that they're going to remain potentially as a 10-team conference, maybe potentially expand. But when you asked him about San Diego State, he had, was very hesitant, saying, I, I don't even know if they're going to expand. Maybe that, they stay with 10-team. That's surprising. Because, you know, look, I'm on – I cover a lot of these Mountain West Conference games. We talk to a lot of ADs. We talk to a lot of uh, media members um, at these games. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, San Diego State. As soon as the media deal gets announced, then San Diego State will get the invite. Like, it's just a foregone conclusion. In Mountain West Conference circles, everybody is just prepping for San Diego State to leave. That, it's just it's just common knowledge that, oh, yeah, they're gone. They're gone. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're gone. They're gone. Um, so that's surprising. And John, I look, I trust John. He's right more often than he's not. That it's not a foregone conclusion that they may look at it and say, you know what, the because honestly, adding the San Diego market is nice, but nobody in San Diego watches San Diego State. Yeah. They, they just their care factor is not there. Yeah. And the same thing with SMU. They might be in downtown Dallas with beautiful facilities and a beautiful campus, but nobody in Dallas is watching SMU football. They're they're watching Oklahoma more than they will um SMU. So they're not bringing eyeballs. They're just in markets that you would like to be in. And then you also add more inventory, more games. So if Amazon or Apple or whoever they're talking to says, no, more games doesn't help in San Diego and and Dallas, those aren't markets that really are going to move the meter for us that much because nobody really cares there, then the Pac-12 apparently is like, all right, fine, we won't do it. A couple of other thoughts I had in regards to the conversation we just had with John Wilner. If I'm the Pac-12, if I'm that commissioner... I am as secure in where I'm at as I am comfortable with the presidents and chancellors and those that I'm talking to in my remaining 10 teams in the conference. If I am confident that I've got Oregon and Washington, and they may be leveraging me with a certain amount of dollar or a certain amount that they've got to get, or they may be in my ear saying, we want higher percentages and we want this or that. But if I'm confident and comfortable in believing that they're committed to the other nine teams, then I feel like I can work a deal. And I'm asking them, be patient. Yeah. Because if we hurry this thing up, if we knee-jerk, because you have to... I don't care about all the noise. Everybody else can tweet at me and say you're unstable, and everybody else can tweet at me and say you're going to get poached, and everybody else can email me and attack me all they want. But 
if I am in constant communication with the 10 teams that are currently remaining and they are confident in our ability as 10 teams to garner a number that is very close to the Big 12, and as John said, very wisely said, it doesn't have to be the exact amount. It could even be a little bit less because the operating budgets of those teams are going to substantially increase if they do have to jump into the Big Ten. Well, Big Ten aside, because Big Ten is going to be insane money. But if you're jumping in to be a part of the Big 12, there are going to be tremendous increases in operating expenses. Yes. Yep. So you would have to be extrapolate. You'd have to be able to extrapolate that and just find out what my costs are, what this would be worth. But if I'm confident in those 10 teams and they're confident in me and they're confident in each other that we could deliver a product, then take, I'm going to take my time. Yeah. I don't need to hurry because you think I'm falling apart. And I'm saying you talking to the, the broad college football audience. I don't need to hurry because of that. That's when businesses fall. When they knee jerk and they're trying to make changes because the perception is what it is outside of our office. It's absolutely true. Absolutely true. But inside my office, if I'm feeling confident with my teams and they're feeling confident and we're all together, great. But it's hard to be confident when you got stabbed in the back by two of your employees. Yes. It's, you're looking around like, who else wants it's to like the, It's the prisoner's dilemma. Like, you're all just staring at each other like, oh, yeah, we're all in it together. Oh, really? Because I remember USC and UCLA saying the same thing a year ago. Yeah. And I could totally see that. The question here is, okay, so if you're Mark Harlan and you're the University of Utah, and you have Brett Yormark saying, hey, look, we're, we want to bring you into the Big 12. Um, and if you come to the Big 12, we can give you – um, you know what? What's the number he threw out? Thirty-one million. You you get thirty. You will have a full share right out of the gate. Thirty-one million dollars per year in in media rights distribution. And so he's like, so if you're Mark Harlan, they're like, okay, all right, fine. I'll I, noted. I will keep that and I will remember that. What's the number that the Pac-12 has to get to where you don't entertain that offer? Because according to John Wilder, it's going to be less than thirty-one million. So if it's $28 million, if it's a $3 million difference, now if you go to the Big 12, you're not going to Boulder, you're not going to Southern California, you're not going to Oregon, you're going to West Virginia, you're going all over the place. Like that, That's going to be a hard value. That's, that's, a, that's a hard cost that you have to deal with. And so in your mind, you're like, okay, I'm, accept, I'm, I'm okay taking less, but what's the number where it comes in at, and you're like, no, I can't do that. It's got to be more. So I would just assign a percentage to it, and I'd say somewhere around 15% less, and I, and I might stick to it. I'm, I'm throwing that number out there generally because I kind of just have a broad number in my mind of, of department increases in the Big 12. Because remember, it's not just football that we're putting into no. the Big 12. Nope. We're now taking our diving team and our gymnastics and we're taking our wrestling and we're taking everything else we've got. And we're shipping it all the way across the country. I'm thinking 30% increase in, in budgeting. So if I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, I like those teams, but I really want to stay a part of this. If the number comes in and it's 15% less of the Big 12, I talk about it with a couple caveats. I want to have some type of hope that our future is brighter than the Big 12. Yeah. 
whether you're talking to me about, hey, I'm just letting you know, there's a couple of very unhappy teams inside the Big 12, or there's a couple of very unhappy teams inside the ACC, or there's some unhappy teams that we feel like could really build our resume as a conference, and we feel like we've got the in on, or we're going to we're going to assign this media rights agreement for X amount of years with the understanding and hope that this expires and we'll have access to this negotiation, which will get us back up to this number. I need encouraging prospects on my future as a conference in order for me to settle down and take 15% less in the meantime. I got to have some prospective number that I believe I can reach. Otherwise, I'm going to jump in and find comfort and confidence in a conference that's currently functioning. Yeah. So you've got to provide me hope. I can take a small percent less. I can get over the all the rumblings of, oh, well, it's just become the lesser conference of the Power Five. I can get over that because I'm going to still play good football, still go win a championship here and there. I'm going to still have a shot at the current four-team playoff, and when it's reorganized oh, yeah. into its next bigger number, I know that I'm going to be in a good conference, conference with a solid opportunity in that, and I'm not knee-jerking. The problem is people want knee-jerk reaction. They want it now. Nobody yeah. is patient anymore. With social media and everything that it, that fuels our instant need for gratification, nobody can sit and wait and say, I got time. Yeah, but you look really dorky right now. I don't care how dorky I look. I got time. Yeah. Well, I just go back to, you know, we don't we probably don't have a 2020 college football season if when everybody else was shutting it down. The you know, the Big 10 goes, "Oh, we can't play football." And then the Pac-12 was like, "Oh, the Big 10's not, but we're not playing big fo- but football either." And everybody and it was just steamrolling and the SEC's like, eh, "No, hold on." I think we'll try it. We're gonna we're gonna wait a minute on that one. We're not cuz all these conferences are like, "We're not. Oh, they're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not." And the SEC's like, Hold up now. Huh. Hold up. Because weird leaders. We think we think we can figure this out. And the Big 12 was like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. SEC's holding up. Huh. So the Big 12 was like, eh, maybe we'll hold off on that too. And then sure enough, come another month later, then the Big 10 and the Pac-12 were like, oh, I think we can, yeah. No, we've talked to our doctors, and we think we can. Shut up. No, you didn't. Stop it. Yeah. You stop it right now. Yeah. No, you didn't. No, you and just saw everybody else playing, and your coaches are like, hey, we're going to lose all of our recruits if we don't play football. In the meantime, BYU is like, did you cancel? Did you want to play? Oh, yeah. you guys want to oh, play? Oh, then come on. Let's go. Two weeks notice. Yeah. And they're headed out to play the Chandeliers. Ah, uh, yes. The chandeliers? The, the, yeah, like the thing in your the, living room, yeah. the, the light. Yeah. The Enchanticleers? Yeah. I can't remember. Hans and Scotty, we're live here at the warehouse. Tom's with us. And, Tom, you were just uh, – uh, so during the break, I was just like, all right, Tom, break this down for me. Exactly what am I getting and and what's all included. And, I mean, you can go a Cal King. California King. Mattresses. Adjustable bed. And that includes two adjustable bed, motorized wireless remote beds, head up, foot up adjustments. With mattresses. This is not just for the mattresses. Now, if you take one of these mattresses and you go, and when I say next door, I've already explained it, you go next door to the north of me, to the west of me, to the south of me, at any one of those stores. You are kind of surrounded by these guys. A split Cal King. They're not going to have it in stock. 
They're going to have to order it for you, so you're going to have to wait for it. But that mattress is going to cost you, let's go low end first, $1,400 to $3,500 per side. So that's twenty eight. Not total, just that's one side. One side. Wow. That's twenty eight hundred to seventy two hundred dollars just for the mattresses. And the bases for name brand, which we already mentioned, yeah. they're gonna be an additional three grand, fifteen hundred bucks a side. Jeez. We're doing the entire thing. Two mattresses, two bases for fourteen ninety nine. That's it's it's insane. It really is. It's and you cannot go buy a name brand quality. I'm talking B plus to A plus quality mattress for less than seventeen ninety nine. Jeez, it's a deal. It really is. Now listen, I got lost. It's a big deal. But I'm, this- I'm slow. I'm slow. <laughs> I got lost when Hans says we don't have any patients anymore. I was at the hospital this morning. I'm still a patient. Yeah. Okay. But I also read, I'm sorry, I'm spending my money to discuss this. I read this week that what he said was ludicrous because let's say he's right. And let's say the Pac-12 becoming the Pac-10 again yeah. gets, let's call it, um, the estimates are it's going to be between 23 and 27 million per school. Yeah. Let's give them 28 million. That's 3 million less than the Big 12. The Big 12. Yeah. But it's 50.7 million at the Big 10. And we know discussions have been had with Oregon and Washington. Are they going to leave for 50 million instead of 27? If they, if they are offered, the, they will leave tomorrow if they can. I think he's not factoring that in. And he's also not factoring in the media report that says the revenue, because TV's watched, because that's where the revenue comes. It doesn't, the matter of the market doesn't, size of the market is about half on the Pac-12 as it is the Big 12. Hmm. They're not coming in at 28 million. No way. Okay, now let's get back to the important. <laughs> it's very difficult. You're take our job, Dom. It's very difficult to. Hey, I'm I'm just a fan, <laughs> but I have to deal with dollars and cents every day to keep the doors open and to pay the employees. And it just does. Hype is hype, and talk is talk. And he obviously wants the Pac-10 to survive because that's his life and his livelihood and his passion. Just like you don't want BYU ever to get rid of football. And you don't want Utah State ever to get rid of football or basketball. He also didn't talk about the revenue because the Big 12 is one of the conferences that brings in a substantial amount of revenue because of basketball. And Pac-12 brings in nothing because of basketball. It's a negative. So I don't think he was being completely... I know he was talking from his heart, and that's awesome. But he wasn't being completely honest in his negotiable discussion. <laughs> well, you got to come on down here to the warehouse. Incredible savings going on right now. You can save yourself a ton of money. 1825 South, 
300 West. You just got to come down here and talk to Tom. Anybody who wants to prove me wrong on those theories I just said, come down here and I'll give you 20% off anything you look at. An extra 20% off anything anything you look at. 1825 South, 300 West, 97.5. If you want to take hands home with you, I'll give you 20% off. (laughs) The KSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Unrival with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keering. The Pac-12 is like, is kind of progressive, forward thinking. It's, you know, silicon, silicon slopes here in Utah, Silicon Valley. There's, mm-hmm. there's the Nike silicone and, you know, <laughs> all these whatever places. And they just might be smart enough or dumb enough to do it. Like, if there's a conference in the United States of America that belongs on a streaming service, it's the Pac-12. It's Unrivaled. Afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars. Perfect for anyone who needs a quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another... Pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to saddle up and talk about the winners and the losers. This is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, here's the good. (laughs) Good night, everybody. It's the good, the bad, the ugly right here on The Zone. All brought to you by Zero Res. Get three rooms of carpets clean. The no residue way, $89.95. Call 801-288-9376. Hands, uh, we just talked about, was it DK Metcalf? Yeah. Who uh, performed in the All-Star game, in the uh, Celebrity game, and performed so well that the NFL threw a uh, drug test at him? Yeah. Well, apparently the NFL didn't get the memo on J.J. Watt. Like, he sent out a Instagram today, and it had a image of a message that was sent to him from the NFL. This is what the message says. JJ, this is Dylan on behalf of the NFL. You have been selected for an HGH dry blood spot test. Please give me a call or shoot me a text when you can. Thank you. I will tell you from having been in the NFL, when you get those messages, you respond instantly. And you take them as dead serious as you can possibly take them. If you miss the message, if you miss the test, you are presumed positive. Yeah. You don't mess around with this. J.J. got it and had a little bit of fun because, obviously, he's done with the NFL. And it's got to be such a relief. That has to be a relief because these tests are zero fun. They're one of the most miserable parts of being in, in, in the NFL. These stupid tests that just pop up. And, and I told you, my rookie year, I only had 
two, maybe three. My second year, I had eight or ten. Jeez. So you never know when they're going to hit. You know you've got a couple that are mandatory and are placed pre-camp, and you know they're strategically placed to take a look and make sure you're not messing around with any enhancers. But that had to have been so nice for J.J. He was able to respond with a Instagram that then said, it had the image of this and said, I don't know what happens when you click report junk, but I think I'm going <laughs> to find out. So he reported junk on this <laughs> on this nice. message that was sent from the NFL, and he's had a little bit of fun with this. Obviously, he has not filed his retirement report because that would remove his name from the random selection risk list, but J.J. Watt no longer having to test. Oh, yeah, that's got to be a good feeling. Very good. They And those guys don't mess around during those tests, too. They they watch everything. Everything. They? It is such an invasion of privacy. All right, we're up against those. Let's just combine the bad and the ugly. Lloyd, you can play either one of them. And, of course, the ugly. Well, Alabama star forward Brandon Miller played last night, one day after cops testified he was one. He was the one who brought the gun that was used in the killing of a woman in Tuscaloosa last month. Tuesday, police said Miller had a connection to the murder case involving his ex-teammate, Darius Miles. Cops alleged in the testimony that Miles had contacted Miller on January 15th about bringing him Miles' gun, which he left in Miller's car earlier in the night. Police then say Miller eventually arrived on the scene with it. The firearm was ultimately used in the killing of 23-year-old Jamea Harris. Terrible. Miles' friend, 20-year-old Michael Davis, is the one that actually is accused of pulling the trigger. Um, and then Nate Oates, the head coach at Alabama, he got out and said, you know what, Brandon hasn't been in any type of trouble, nor is he in any trouble at this case, wrong spot at the wrong time. And he's had to walk back those comments. He got in trouble for that, being as dismissive as he was about it. And callous, obviously, to the yes. killing of Jamea Harris, <clears throat> which is terrible because Jamea's mother and the whole thing couldn't be worse. It yeah. really couldn't. And Nate Oates has walked back those comments. But there's a couple things here, Scotty. So Brandon Miller dressed, and not only did Brandon Miller dress for the Crimson Tide, he put 41 points up against South Carolina and scored the game winner in overtime. Yep. He had the game of his life. In fact, it's the highest scoring output by a freshman in the NCAA this year. Yep. And this guy's probably going to be a high first-round draft pick if – He's able to navigate these waters. Very much. Yeah. Should be. And this might affect him and it might hurt him. I don't know. There are people that are calling for so many different things in regards to the Alabama basketball program, which is very good. They're, they're a very good team. Yeah. I read through as much as I could really read on this Brandon Miller situation, the details that the officers presented yeah. in regards to when he got the text from Darius Miles, the teammate that is involved in the case, what he was doing, how he responded. And reading through some of the details, for instance, he was already on his way to go pick up his former teammate when he got the text that essentially said, I need my gun. And he had not seen the gun. He had not touched it. It was wrapped in some clothes under the back seat, so he didn't know a lot about it. 
So he was already on his way to go pick him up when the text came in. So it's not like he got the text for the gun and hurried to go take the gun to his ex-teammate. said, hey, I'm about ready to shoot somebody. I need my gun. Bring it over here. He didn't have all of those specific bits of information. And I can guarantee you that if there was anything that indicated that he did know or had any part of it, he would have had charges brought against him. Yeah. And by the way, that's good. We need to talk about there. No charges have been filed and no charges are anticipated being filed against him. So this is where the lines get so blurred in our world right now. And I know that you've got to be sensitive to these cases because it's a tragedy that Jamea Harris is dead over something that he may have been a small piece of. But how much of a person's livelihood do you take away when he's not charged and when he's not convicted? It's one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with in the Deshaun Watson situation. You had two grand juries that could not bring charges and could not indict Deshaun Watson. How do I look at a grand jury who runs the investigation and look at that and think, oh, well, I'm going to still slap accusal on him and charges, and I'm going to convict him. Yep. In my mind, I'm going to convict him. It is the toughest thing for me to do. As a university, might have been best not to play Brandon Miller. Maybe. As a university, it might have been best to come out with some type of statement out of sensitivity and the word that we're overusing now in our world, abundance of caution. We are going to sit Brandon Miller. But... They're looking at this young kid that has not had charges brought against him, that had all of these details. And by the way, he's on film that night, Scotty. Everything is videoed. His car was hit with one of the stray bullets. He was on video in in that moment, and nothing indicated that he had anything to do with it. It's just a really tough case for Alabama. This is a, a conversation you yeah. and I could go on for hours. Well, and it's, I mean, at some point you have to take a step back and, like, allow the police to do their job. And if the police decide that we're not filing charges, they have the text messages, they have witnesses, they have the, you know, they have everything at their disposal. And they said, no, you know, we're not going to charge this guy. Charge, And they said, and one of the prosecutors said, charge him for what? What did he do? He brought a gun to a guy who owned the gun. And he didn't know. There was no text message or any evidence that he knew what that gun. It was the property of somebody that left the the gun in the vehicle. And the guy said, hey, I left my gun in the car. Can you bring it to me? And he was already on his way. Again, it's really easy to have that outrage. And I understand why. A, A young woman lost her life. I totally understand that. But the whole Deshaun Watson thing you mentioned as well. Even Deshaun Watson's own lawyer said just because... A person's a dirtbag, which he essentially said, Deshaun Watson's a bad human being. A pervert. He's a pervert. He's not a good human being. But that doesn't mean he broke the law. And that's what they hung their hat on. Like, yeah, he, he did some things and said some things, but he didn't actually break the law. Doesn't mean you have to like who he is. And I know that makes you cringe. It, feels, it makes you feel dirty. It makes you want to go take a shower. But those people that are on those grand juries are like, yeah, I guess he's right. We need to have... When we get a moment, we need to have a deeper discussion on this because I I did read enough through the details or what the officers have divulged and what they have in in a, a lack of evidence to be able to charge him.
as to why I think I'm not overly upset that Alabama put him on the court. Yeah. Yep. Hands on Scotty, 153. You're listening to 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is this is DJ and PK. Joined by Randy Ray, former Weber State men's basketball coach, one of your former players, Damian Lillard. If he did leave Portland, would the Warriors and Jazz go to the top of the list? You know, I think so. I do know this, that when he came out, kind of his wish list was to play for Jerry Sloan at Utah or Greg Popovich at San Antonio, because that's who he is. He's an old school, tough, competitive guy, and he wanted to play for guys like that. But I think if the situation ever occurred, and he had a chance to be in Utah. You know, if he wanted to jump and wanted to make a move, I would think they'd be close to the top of the list because he loves it there. They got such a good program, such a good culture there. I think that would be something he'd be probably pretty interested. Again, I'm not speaking for him. We haven't talked about it, but my guess would be that, yeah. Catch DJ and PK, mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Go! It's time to span the globe for the hard-hitting news you care about. Well, not really. But hey, at least we found it interesting. This is Whole World News on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We've got, We've got the, the whole world in our hands. Hanson Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hey, remember, Reed Medical is Utah's only physician-owned and operated wellness clinic, offering ED treatment. It's discreet, non-invasive, and customized to your needs. Reed Medical. Visit remedical.com today. Time for another edition of Whole World News, Hans. All right, I need a ruling from you. All right. And I'm going to make this really quick because it's a very long story. I'm going to shorten it way down. There's this guy named Philip Powers. Back on May 28th of 2018, he's a 37-year-old, and he was in Arizona, in the Sedona, Sedona area. It's called Sycamore Canyon Wilderness. Very rugged. Okay. He's healthy, and he's trained, and he decides he's going to take a 17-mile hike that was suggested by a friend. Long story short, did not pack enough supplies, ends up getting stuck, and needing to be rescued. In an effort to be rescued, when he felt like his life was done, he ended up starting a big fire. And he lit a tree on fire, and he started essentially a forest fire to send a signal. This forest fire ended up eating about 237 acres of Arizona wilderness. Oh, boy. He was saved. Yeah. They saw the fire. He was saved. Life flied it out of there. Uh, he was diagnosed with all kinds of medical issues, definitely dehydrated. He did drink his own urine in an effort to try to stay alive. I'm just saying it because that's how severe things got. Yeah. You have to be in a bad spot when you're like, bottoms up, let's go. Well, Scotty, he was charged with seven different counts of, of what do you call it, with uh, f- of fire. Arson? Of arson. Seven different counts. And he was smacked with the responsibility of paying back $300,000 by a judge. Obviously, he disputed it, and he went back and tried to get the the ruling annulled. But this is what the official judge, it is United States Magistrate Judge Camille Bibles, said. She said, Powers was reckless and negligent in his preparation for a hike of this magnitude from the outset. 
He had not packed a GPS device, paper map, or compass, instead relying on a cell phone mapping app that was useless without that service. He had failed to bring a headlamp or a flashlight, instead relying on his phone's built-in light. While he had brought two large knives, he hadn't brought a first aid kit or any method of signaling for help in an emergency. He wasn't even on the right trail. Instead of the 17-mile moderate cabin loop, he was on an 18.8-mile Taylor cabin loop, a full 50 miles away, which his guidebook rated as strenuous. She upheld the ruling. He is responsible for $300,000 in damages, but it was a life-saving measure to try to get out of the tight spot he got himself. Uh, Did you see what he was wearing? No. Skinny jeans. Skinny (laughs) jeans, and he was carrying sriracha sauce for food. Scott Lloyd, that is not true. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. For a minute, I'm like, oh, Lloyd is really contributing with facts in regards to this situation. Might as well have been wearing skinny jeans and and, and brought sriracha (laughs) Um, sauce for food. All right. So at first, the first part of the story, I'm like, oh, come on. The guy's been through hell. Yeah. He doesn't need this. And then as it goes on, you're like, yeah, you know what, though? He put himself in the bad spot. Wrong trail. No supplies. Not equipped to go out there. And yeah, he screwed it up. And granted, his his choice for survival was set a fire, and that's fine. I mean, it's not great. It's but all right. You made a choice. Now you got to live with the consequences. I'm all right with it. I'm okay with it. Absolutely. Now look, by the way. Now look if if you're at a campsite and all of a sudden your kid goes missing and you're like, oh my gosh, where's our kid? And you go running in the woods for a couple miles. And you find him, but now you're lost and you don't know where you're at. And you're like. And you have no supplies, and you I think you know they would be a little bit more lenient in something like that, you know, but in this situation, the guy's a dork, he's a moron, he deserves it. The other part of the ruling was instead of building this fire in a rock ring, he purposely lit a dead tree with the intent of setting it on fire, yeah, then continued walking down the trail while the tree was ablaze. She was essentially saying you could have done a fire pit and got a a certain amount of smoke in the air without having to light a tree on fire and burning down 230 acres of our Arizona desert. Yeah. And yeah, so she's sticking to the $300,000. Good. Good. Yeah. Sorry. You're alive. Yeah. But you got that. But that's a tough one. Now, if I'm stuck in a tight spot, I'm going to be like, all right, $300,000 or death. I don't know if I want to put You're myself like, in that kind of debt. Boy. <laughs> yeah, that's I not the know. kind of debt the hands wants. No. No, bro. No. All right, Tom's hanging out with us. We're live here at the warehouse. And, uh, Tom, you're making people's lives so much better. Come on. You come down here, you I'm, save a ton I'm of money. I'm just going to make Hans' life worse. Oh. So what would you do in that situation? Oh, man. You'd save your life. I don't know. I think you would keep fighting. I would worry about the 300 Scotty, what would you do? Forget about the money. <laughs> what would you do, Scotty? Would I'd be you- like, you know what? I don't want to be three hundred grand in debt. My wife would probably be, you know. Better off. I got a nice, <laughs> a nice insurance policy. Yeah. Wife and, I'd wife fight. and kids. I'd fight. Yeah. I, I had that happen to uh, me. You were in a tight spot. Okay. Yeah. And do you know how much my hospital bill was? It's got to be more than 300000 you hit seven figures? Try $6.8 million, my hospital bill. $6.8 million. I have had subsequently, in the last 15 months that I've been out of the hospital, $700,000 in rehab. 
Man. So we're at seven and a half million on this thing. Try eight and a half. (laughs) But look at you. You're, you're, but you look good, man. Uh, <laughs> you look good. I've always well, was somebody good. laughing behind me. <laughs> I've laughing? always been good looking. Yeah, that's I true. showed you my new hardware they put in this morning. Yeah, I see you got a. But I'm alive. Yeah, you got a heart thumper. I won't quit. Quit fighting. We we got sidetracked again, Scotty. Hi, I'm sorry. Well, no, let's let's talk about you know. Because... I want to add to your deal. All right. Oh, I like it. Let's go. You you broke it down last time on these adjustable beds. Yeah. If you are looking for a new mattress, please take the time to come in here, and I'm going to make Hans take six minutes after we're done and give him a proper demonstration, and it will blow your mind what it can do for you. But I will give anybody who buys a new mattress, queen or king or cow king mattress, a free, your choice, mattress protector and our competition, the firm that sells mattresses. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. yep. Yep. They sell them for one i I'm going to give it to you free with any mattress purchase. Anybody who buys an adjustable bed, I'll give you free sheets or free mattress protectors. So that's another $150 value for free. Wow. Uh, Let's talk about this beautiful three-piece set that I'm sitting on the, the recliner. The sofa and the love, you made reference to it. Yeah. Leather. To the touch, so the side is leatherette, but it's leather to the touch, power recline, USB to charge your phone. This set normally sells beautiful set for forty four ninety nine. We're gonna do the whole thing for twenty one ninety. Hey, now we're cooking. All three pieces. All three pieces. Now, these are gorgeous, too. I love the color of that stitching on that leather. It is beautiful. beautiful. Look at this one here. Right behind you, Scotty. Look at that, Hans. We call this one the Transformer. So the console pops down. It has a light that pops up. It has the arms lift up, and there's bins in there. It has cup holders it has power headrest recline power recliner again really nice top grain leather and um power recline everywhere the transformer is normally a fifty nine hundred dollar set i have two of them just arrived yesterday i'm going to do it for 29.99 three days only come on let's go all you have to do is come Beautiful. on by here, 1825 South, 300 West. That's 1825 South, 300 West. It's all here at the warehouse, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.